You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Our president, Foursquare President Glenn Burris, sent an email because uh, there was an article that was posted in the U.S. News and World Report about a, a threat that had been picked up regarding all the churches in America um, during the holiday season. And uh, some of you may have read the report, right, or read the article, basically saying, you know, they, they, they picked up this, these messages are going back and forth, and ISIS is trying to, uh, you know, encourage all of its adherents worldwide, especially in the United States, in parts of Europe, to, um, to make this a very violent and bloody holiday season for everybody. And they posted a list of, I think, about 8,000 churches and all that stuff. And, and it got me thinking, you know, <laughs> not, not that we would be motivated by fear, right? Because, you know, like I tell my kids, you know what? There's always going to be something in the world to be afraid of. You know, and, and it's, it, what our calling is to do is to meet courage, uh, meet fear with courage. And so I told you know, I tell them all that stuff. Don't be afraid. It's going to be fine. Jesus is going to protect us. God's going to protect us. But it got me thinking on another level, and that was that I don't think there was a time in my own pastoral ministry where I, where I remembered a, a threat as widespread as that because of our Christian faith, right, where it was just as blatant as, you know, just kill the Christians if you can. Yeah. And uh, it got me thinking about peace because you, usually we... We don't think a lot about peace, the peace we enjoy, or even what peace really is. We only think about it when our peace is threatened or when someone takes it away. And because Christmas is a season where we talk a lot about peace, sometimes we don't really realize how much peace is missing from our lives because we've just gotten used to a certain level of normal, right? We're used to chaos. That's the normal for us. And we don't realize how much peace we're really missing. And, and here's the thing. The Christmas story is arguably the greatest story ever told because of its unparalleled power to give hope and meaning and peace, listen, in the midst of unpleasant, difficult, threatening situations. See, the hope, the meaning, and the peace don't depend or come from an ideology or from just encouraging positive messages that we give to each other. The peace of Christmas comes from, say this with me, the personal presence of God in Christ. So I want to leave this thought with you today that it's the gift of Christ's presence that brings true peace. Say true peace. True, yes. Not false and temporary peace. Jesus says these words in John. He says, peace I leave with you. My, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And you see, if we're not careful, we can easily settle for a peace that is not Jesus' peace. We can settle for what I call false peace or artificial peace. And you know what false peace is? False peace is, this. there's probably a larger, more broad definition of it, but when I think about false peace, I think about the denial of conflict. How you doing? How are you and that other person doing? Oh, we're fine. 
Yeah, right. right? The denial of conflict or the avoidance of tension that you think you're going to encounter, right? We'll just avoid it. False peace can also be a numbing indifference that we choose. Like, you can choose to be indifferent or not to even care about a particular conflict that's happening. You can put it out of your mind. You can convince yourself that just as long as it's out of sight and out of mind, it doesn't exist, right? And we can live under those notions so we don't have to be troubled in our minds by it. And we can tell ourselves, because it's out of sight and out of mind, I, I'm experiencing peace. But it's really a false peace. You know what I've learned over the years, the hard way? <laughs> that unless we learn how to engage in healthy conflict, say healthy conflict, healthy conflict, that what we end up having if we don't engage in healthy conflict is what we call artificial harmony, artificial, false peace. See, true peace is not the absence of conflict. True peace is receiving the presence of God in the midst of trouble and conflict and tension. And of course, you know, we, our hope is that those tensions and conflicts get resolved. But we all know we live in a world where not all those conflicts get resolved right away. Am I right? And I found personally that it's hard for me to receive the presence of God and his peace when I'm focused on my own self-interests. It's hard for me to experience true peace when I'm not, watch this, when I'm not loving God, when I'm not loving myself, and when I'm not loving others well. When I don't love well, I don't experience peace. It's the reason why we often find ourselves lying in very sophisticated ways, why we avoid, why we deflect, why we deny the truth, we self-protect, we hold secret grudges, we make secret judgments and assumptions that really don't hold up under a burden of proof, and we preserve our image rather than preserve our integrity. We don't speak the truth in love like the Bible tells us. Rather, we flatter, we dress up our words, we gossip about rumors, we read on Facebook or pictures we see on Facebook. And we don't take the time to get the other side of the story, you see. And, it's, and for some reason, I don't know what that is. It, we think it gives us some level of peace. But the reality is, it's stealing the true peace of God from your life. Because when you have God's peace, it really doesn't matter what people think about you. Come on. Now, that, that should not make you go... I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not how it's supposed to work. When you have the peace of God, you will be secure in who you are. And you won't let other people's opinions about you define your life. See? When you have God's peace, His Holy Spirit can convict you. And you can listen to other people's feedback Maybe even criticism. Maybe even unwarranted criticism. And you can be still at peace and take the good out of that. You know, some of you in 2017 need to learn how to take, 
every even harmful word or a malicious word of criticism towards you and mine the good out of it somehow, some way. Some of you need to learn how to take rebuke. In 2017, that's my resolution. Come on, rebuke me, rebuke me. I want to learn how to receive rebuke in a loving way. Even though it may not come in the way that I'm, I like it, tell me the truth, right? See, so when we have God's peace, listen, you can love people without liking them. <laughs> how many of you know people in your network of friends and family or not, and you just don't like them? You have to love them. When you have the peace of God in your life, you can learn how to love people. You can learn how to listen to someone that you, you just really, really disagree with. You don't share the same views or worldview, but you can learn to respect their perspective when you have the peace of God working in your life. When you have the peace of God, you're, you're more willing to suspend judgment. How often do we make Rash judgments. We jump right in just because we, you know, it's like driving on the freeway, right? Someone cuts you off, and, and it's Christmas Day, right? And even on Christmas Day, you're thinking, why in the world would somebody cut me off on the freeway, right? You don't know what that person's going through, do you? You don't know what kind of morning they just had. Wait till you hear their story and then make a judgment. They call that attribution error. You know, you're, you're attributing... Something wrong about that person, that situation, before you know all the facts. True peace allows us to suspend judgment. I remember my, my kids tell this story to me all the time. You guys remember this? Uh, there was one time we were driving home from um, Anaheim. We were, we were driving home from this big church. And, um, and you know those islands that you, you go and you turn left and there's an island right there? And uh, we were driving and I saw uh, there was a guy panhandling money. Um, you know, probably a homeless guy. And he was waving something in his hand. But you know how it is. Like, they come to your window and you just <laughs> look straight ahead. Just ignore him. If I ignore him, he'll go away, right? But he kept waving like, like, I don't know what it was, until I finally looked. Now, of course, when somebody comes up to your car, you automatically get what? You get suspicious, right? You're like, yeah, what's he doing, you know? And this guy just came up and, and the kids were, I think they were like, well, Dad, look what he's doing, look what he's doing. I don't know what you guys were saying, but anyway, he's like, hey, this was the funniest thing and the most ironic thing. I've never experienced this in my life. The guy saw our kids in the van, right, and he wanted to give money to our kids. <laughs> now, most guys standing on the street corner with a sign looking kind of tattered, tattered clothing, most of those people are not giving away money. I made a wrong judgment, didn't I, in the moment? I thought he was, what's he doing? He's like, no, oh, no, no, here, here, I got three, give, here's $3 for your kids, right? Roll down the window. I'm like, should I do this? The light's about to, okay, fine, give me the money. Thanks, man, right? I don't know what we told him. It was just so, like, random. <laughs> Listen, when you have the peace of God, you're more willing to withhold judgment before you know all the facts. True peace is not the absence of conflict. It's knowing that God is with you in the midst of the storm. How many of you have been through some storms this year? I can tell. 
when you come in on Sunday morning, sometimes the storm just so, so difficult that it's showing on your face when you walk in. <laughs> True peace is knowing God is with you in the midst of it. And listen, having the peace of God begins with making peace with God. That's why it says in Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we've received Jesus and been made righteous by our faith in him, in what he's done for us, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, watch, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Guess what? If you put your faith in Jesus, you're standing in something. You're standing in grace. Tell the person next to you, boy, you're standing in grace. So smile. <laughs> right? And it says, look, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our... I just wish they would just blot that one out of the Bible because it's hard to do that. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces something. When we have peace with God, we can experience the peace of God, and we can know that suffering, that trials, that troubles, that conflict are not meaningless and without purpose. They're producing something in us. What are they producing? Perseverance. You know what perseverance is? It's that thing that keeps you going to the gym after you've made a resolution to lose weight the first of the year, and it keeps you going to the gym even though you don't feel like it. <laughs> Perseverance produces character. And listen, this is what we try to teach our kids, right? But even us adults struggle with this one. You know, part of the reason God doesn't entrust you with stuff God, when's my big break going to come? God, when am I going to get that breakthrough? When is that new job going to open for me? When am I going to be able to make more money and support my family? When, am I gonna, when, am I gonna, when is my career going to open up and finally you know, do what I really want to do so I can live the life I want to live? Oh, maybe, just maybe, if you, if you love God enough to pay attention to what he tells you in his word, maybe God's response is to build your character first, so you can handle the calling that he's placed on your life. Because if you have the calling and try to fulfill the calling without the character, you'll sabotage this. You'll mess this up. So God does us a good favor. And he says, son, daughter, I have an amazing call on your life. I'm giving you a glimpse of what that might be. And now we're going to get ready for it. And, and then you go through a season of one painful thing after another. It's tough, isn't it? But watch. If we, have the peace, if we have peace with God, we have the peace of God. We know that even suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. hope. And hope is a good Christmas word. So when you have peace with God, it doesn't matter how messy or ugly your life looks. You can rejoice through all that mess, through all that suffering. Tell the person next to you, the peace of God be with you. How do we experience the peace of God? How do we experience the peace of Christmas and all throughout the new year? I think 
if I was to give you a, a little wise word of advice, it would be to live with an awareness of the presence of God. To live with an awareness of the presence of God. Because if Christmas tells us anything, folks, it tells us that God's presence, watch this, God's presence is now more accessible than you could have ever imagined. God's presence in the incarnation, God become flesh, God's presence has been radically relocated. He's closer than he's ever been, and we find out that in the incarnation, God's not actually angry, that he's actually in a good mood. He's in such a good mood that he'd be willing to walk in our shoes and experience what human suffering might be like. <laughs> he's not overwhelmed. He's not disappointed. He's not displeased. No, he's, in, he's extravagantly intentional about winning us back to him. Which is why instead of using brute strength, instead of using force, instead of dazzling us with spectacular miracles, instead of intimidating us with political or positional power like the world does, God chooses the most humble, most obscure, most vulnerable, and might I add, the most messy and unpleasant of situations to be born into. Like, it doesn't get any messier, folks, than being born a king and then having to run for your life because you're a threat to the powers that be. It doesn't get any messier than being married to a woman who is pregnant and the baby's not yours. It doesn't get any messier than traveling 70 miles or so with a pregnant woman that's ha getting ready to have a baby. I mean, it's hard enough to travel 70 miles in a modern-day vehicle. Imagine doing that on a donkey. Pregnant. It doesn't get any messier than finally arriving into town, finding out there's no room at the Marriott, finding there's nowhere except a cold, damp stable, which is really a cave, to have the baby. It doesn't get any more unpleasant than to give birth in that very dark cave with cows and sheep and pigs, maybe, and roosters. Anyone grow up on a farm? Use your imagination. They were the first witnesses to the birth of Jesus. And it doesn't get any messier for you to have to put your newborn baby in a feeding trough for animals. Pretty underwhelming, don't you think? Pretty unpleasant, just like your life, just like my life at times. I want to show you a video as we close this up today of a song that I've come to love. It's a very rare um, song that I hear played, but the words and the lyrics of this song really touched my heart because it transported me right back to that time in Bethlehem where there were no, you know, tins, there was no tinsel and holly, there were no Christmas trees, nothing like what we see today. I want you to, to come with me back into that time and to see what it might have been like that very first Christmas morning through this song called The Labor of Love. It's a story about Mary. So go ahead and play that video, bro. Oh, sorry, I'll play it then. <laughs> there you go.
That's Mary and Joseph right there. There's Joseph. Mary's pregnant. It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. You could hear a woman cry in the alleyway that night on the streets of David's town. And the stable was not clean, and the cobblestones were cold, and little Mary, full of grace, with the tears upon her face, and no mother's hand hold. It was a Joseph by her side, calloused hands and weary eyes. There were no midwives to be found on the streets of David's town in the middle of the night. So he held her and he prayed. Prince of Peace, let's do it again. If the Prince of Peace was born into such messiness, such unpleasantness, such chaos, then he knows how to come and bring peace to you in the middle of whatever messiness, chaos you're going through. Sometimes the messiness in our lives 
they're not just created by other people. Sometimes we create our own messes, right? We all know what that's like. But Jesus offers us peace. Watch this. Not just by removing your mess. Sometimes he doesn't instantaneously remove conflict. But he offers his presence in the midst of the conflict. How many of you know that sometimes there's just some messes you have to walk through? Like, I wish God would take me out of it, but it looks like he's going to walk me through it. And what you need to focus on is not the mess, but his majestic presence in the midst of it. Christmas is about a promise of his presence in the midst of unpleasantness, in the midst of messiness, and that is true peace with God. Some of you remember Harold, who is a member of our congregation. They moved to Porterville uh, a year ago or two. And you remember Harold, he had stomach cancer. They removed his stomach, and he had suffered from um, all kinds of complications ever since. The doctors told him, just to remind some of you, that he only had three months to live without a stomach. He survived 11 years. They moved to Porterville, him and Aline, a couple of years ago, and I got a phone call from them a couple of weeks ago, and it was Harold. He said, Pastor, I'm going into surgery tomorrow. And they're going to do this thing on me that's going to make everything right. <laughs> I was saying, man, I don't know what you're talking about, man, because I don't think, like, your condition, I don't think anything they do is going to make anything. So what I came to found out, find out was that the surgery, the doctors really were just were, had given up. And they, out of compassion, they said to Harold, you know what, we're going to try one last thing to just give you a little bit of quality of life. So he call, he's on the phone, and he tells me, Pastor, he goes, um, tomorrow I'm going to the surgery they're saying it's, it's a really big chance that I'm not going to come out of it. Oh, man. You ever get a phone call? What do I say to this guy? So I, t- I was just talking to him. I said, Harold, man, I just want you to know, man, like, you inspire me. Like, your perseverance, your strength, your courage to, to suffer the way you have and to keep going. I don't know how you keep living, man. Like, man. You were supposed to be dead like 11 years ago. He goes, yep, I know. He goes, God must still have a purpose for me. (laughs) So I'm like, Harold, listen, man, either way, I'm trying to be comforting as a pastor, you know, like, either way, we win, right? We win. Like, you die, you don't really die, you're in Christ, so you're going to, you be, it's all, you lived and, you know, great, but, you know, so I'm I'm here trying to console him. I'm, I'm not thinking he's getting through the surgery, honestly. What they have to do, I found out from Aline, just like, it's nuts. So Aline calls me like three, four days after the surgery. <laughs> Here's how the call goes. Hello? Hi, Pastor. It's Aline. Is he alive? <laughs> yeah, he is alive. He's, uh, he's not coherent. <laughs> On the verge of death, Harold tells me, Pastor, it's okay. I have peace with God. I'll be all right if I don't make it. I've had peace with God, Pastor. I'm just asking him for a little more time. I don't understand why God grants some people more time while he doesn't others. I don't don't get that. But But the point is, he had peace with God, and he isn't waiting for his deathbed to get peace with God. He's having peace right here and now with the Lord. You can have the same peace. 
And, and for some of you, the peace needs to be more than just peace with God, because I, I look at your faces, and I know that some of you have made that peace with God. But for some of you, the peace needs to be between you and other people. And I want this to be a motivating thing for you. I get that, that at times it's very difficult to resolve things quickly. But I invite you to open your heart to the possibility, and watch this, the miracle of peace this Christmas. There's a, a crazy story that's told about something that happened back in World War I. This is the picture on the screen. And with this I close, I promise. Um, Belgian, French, British soldiers on the Allied side on Christmas morning. Actually, some reports say that it began on Christmas Eve. This had never happened in the history of the world, where right in the middle of a conflict, watch this, that would claim 15 million lives, World War I, right in the middle, Christmas Day. <laughs> These guys came out of their trenches, and they started mingling with each other. It was so surprising that Time Magazine printed an article about it. You can, you can look it up. You can Google it. And it talked about how these men, probably just really bitter from the cold and, and the war and the fact they were so far from home, they had lost already so many of their comrades. And on Christmas morning, they tried to figure out, how did this all start? How did this incredible, thousands of soldiers on the enemy side, on the allied side, started mingling together, exchanging gifts of cigarettes and hats and food, and that's all they had. And they just, some of them played football, they call it football, soccer together. Something happened in their hearts that on the day that they should have been at war. They decided, you know what? Christmas is all about peace. And there's, a, there's such a deep longing in the heart for human peace. They experienced what, what, they, what people call a miracle of peace. How many of you right now, I think this is prophetic for all of us, would ask God and believe God this year for a miracle of peace? Because that situation isn't going to resolve itself the way I've tried to resolve it. God, I need a miracle of peace. In fact, I think I want to pray over you right now. I want to release that on you today. And if you're here, close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here this morning, and it's not just about peace with God, because I know most of you have had peace with God, but if you haven't had peace with God, if you haven't made your peace with God, you can do that this morning on Christmas morning and give your life to the Savior Jesus Christ. You've heard the gospel sung and taught and preached in so many different ways and even lived out before you, and it's now your turn to cross the line of faith. If you're here today and you want to do that, all you need to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. I receive you and your gift of eternal life. I receive all that you've done for me on the cross, dying for my sins. You can pray that prayer this morning. Mean that prayer. And it will mean the world and eternity for you. But there are also some of you who need a miracle of peace because situations in your life are not at peace. So 
if you're here this morning, I want you, to, if, and you need a miracle of peace, I want you to put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. Whatever that miracle of peace pertains to, I just want to release this over you today. Lord, you see every heart in the room this Christmas morning. You came to give them a gift. <laughs> as much as we've attempted to give you gifts this Christmas through helping others, we want to receive the gift you want to give us. We receive the gift of your son, Jesus, but we also, in particular, want to receive a miracle today of peace, like that you would intervene in these places where we're stuck trying to bring peace, but no peace seems to ever happen. So, Father, I release this and I break down anything of the enemy's work that would keep people bound in their own corners, misunderstanding each other, refusing to reconcile, and I pray that you would break down those walls today and that, Lord, into the new year we would see miracles of peace happen. Not because someone was so smart or wise, but just because we were willing to live as we know you would have lived if you were here in our shoes. Release that miracle of peace for every heart right now that needs it. I pray it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then for those in the room right now, Lord, who have friends and family, Lord, who are maybe hurting this Christmas, they're sick in their bodies, I pray you release the miracle touch of your healing over them right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would heal us all, the, all the little stuff too, God, the little colds, the viruses that are going around. Cover us with your blood and heal our sicknesses today as we receive your healing touch. Heal our bodies heal our souls, heal our relationships this Christmas and into the new year. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big round of applause. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.